You're listening to the Future Tech Podcast with Richard Jacobs. Future technologies such as artificial intelligence, stem cells, 3D printing, gene editing, Bitcoin, blockchain, the microbiome, quantum computing, virtual reality, and exploring space are much closer than you might think. In fact, many early versions of these technologies are in play right now, and the companies that are using these technologies are the focus of this podcast. My goal for you, the listener, is to learn from these podcasts. You may very well learn something that may change the course of your life for the better, steer you towards a new career, or give you insight into addressing a thorny medical problem. Remember, this podcast and its content is informational in nature only. No medical, tax, legal, financial, or psychological advice is being given. If you enjoyed the podcast, please listen, subscribe, like, and tell your friends about it. Thank you. Hello, this is Richard Jacobs with the Future Tech Podcast. Uh, today, I'm talking to the Chief Growth Officer of Evoke Giant. His name is Eric Steckelman. So, Eric, thanks for coming, and how are you doing today? I'm doing great. Thanks so much for having me. Yeah, so tell me, what? Uh, it's kind of an unusual name. What, where does the name Evoke Giant come from, and what's the premise of the company? Sure. So, um, the name Evoke Giant is the consolidation of two agencies bought, brought together through an acquisition which occurred within the last um, six months, I believe, um, specifically bringing in the power of um, a larger uh, network of agencies, um, specifically Evoke, um, part of the Huntsworth Health family of agencies, um, and being able to leverage the great work that Giant Creative Strategy, um, which we were formerly known as, um, and bring that forward. So we've obviously been able to expand not only from a geographic perspective, but through the ways we're able to provide value and engagement with our clients today. It makes sense. And what's the uh, the goal of the new merged company? What do you guys recommend? Sure. Well, the aspect, um, what we do is we are 100% health and um, wellness focused. Everything that we do, every engagement that we focus on is really within the healthcare sector. Um, and that could be from, you know, helping to support uh, pharmaceutical, biotechnology clients, as well as diagnostic and medical device clients, but even going further, looking um, at ways of engaging within the healthcare space, which is quite var- uh, varied and goes beyond the four verticals, as I shared. Um, health and wellness um, extends much further, and there's a tremendous amount of opportunity out there. So you're working with large enterprises to help them connect with customers better, or are you helping individuals to get services and connect with their sure. own services better? Like what so, is the specifics? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, thanks for uh, clarifying. So the way that we engage is um, as a healthcare far, a healthcare uh, oriented uh, marketing organization, we do work with clients big and small, um, enterprise wide as well as emerging and startup. Um, to help set their commercial objectives and to um, help them go to market or maintain their market um, advantage um, through a myriad of different ways from the mar- within the marketing funnel. And that could be everywhere from helping them strategically um, how best to um, connect with their customers, um, whether it's a consumer or patient or a physician or a payer, um, for all practical purposes, um, but more importantly, bring forward those um, efforts to help to drive their brand forward and to establish greater brand equity and, of course, brand loyalty like with any other um, brands that we would see specifically within the more traditional consumer packaged goods, for example. So what are some of the brands that 
were attractive or interesting to you and what kind of uh, things did you do with them? Um, well, I think what's really been really exciting is that we, uh, we've we worked with a lot of brands, um, big and small, as I mentioned, and you can see that we work with clients such as um, Big Pharma, like, um, you know, we work with organizations like Amgen and Genentech. Um, we also work with smaller clients as well, um, for example, Di- um device and diagnostic clients, um, where I think actually uh, like an organization like Verisite recently that had the opportunity to partner with Johnson & Johnson, we had done work with them about a year ago to help to launch one of their assets um, into the market, specifically within the diagnostic space. And as we see a shift towards more personalized medicine, um, how can we um, take uh, the opportunity to start to um, evolve our efforts to target organizations and support their efforts um, as they're looking to um, help to solve some of healthcare's most difficult challenges, which in some instances could be diagnosis, um, or um, many of the areas that we do work are specifically within brands and obviously brand management as well. Do you have any examples of a specific project that you thought was, uh, you know, just a lot of fun to work on or had an impact that you enjoyed? Any specific? Um, yeah, I think that there was an, um, one project specifically that we had the opportunity to work on as an organization, which back when, I'll, I'm actually, it's a little bit dated, but um, a couple of years ago, we had the opportunity to work with an organization um, called Cancer Research Institute. They're located in New York, and they had received an unrestricted grant from a pharmaceutical cl- um, company in the effort to help to educate both providers as well as consumers and patients around what is cancer immunotherapy. I think the velocity of, of innovation that we're seeing in healthcare today was, uh, is, is testament to this example because at that time, um, which was just candidly a very short period of time, very small in terms of um, time frame when we had the opportunity to engage a few years ago, and they needed to educate as they were getting ready to launch um, efforts um, for their organization that they were partnering with, specifically around um, cancer immunotherapy. So we had created a campaign known as I'm the Answer to Cancer. And, and one of the things that we had done with that is that we harnessed the power of not only the provider and their perspective, but also the patient and what they thought and what they and how to, how they needed their education to um, overcome some of the challenges and awareness aspects of cancer immunotherapy. And we created this program called 30 Stories um, in 30 Days, and we launched it um, at a time when one of the premier medical conferences, um, which is known as ASCO, the American Society of Clinical Oncology, was coming around. And it was able to show um, a perspective every single day of what cancer immunotherapy means to either a provider, a nurse who might be managing clinical trials, a patient, um, again, many different types of patients as they were looking at different tumor types. And the campaign was very exciting. It obviously rolled out had huge social media presence with it as well. And it was quite successful in terms of helping to set the stage for what we see today as a very dynamic marketplace, specifically around cancer immunotherapy. Okay. Um, well, any particular results that came out of the campaign that uh, you know were important to you? 
What was, like, well, what I think, some so of the one of the aspects, I think that with every campaign that we work on, we do set specific objectives and goals, or you know what we see or commonly hear as KPIs or key performance indicators. And in this particular situation, it was about engagement, and it was also about education. And I think that we were absolutely able to do that, as we saw through our. Um, social media aspects um, and obviously being able to track the data and the uh, penetration of the content um, externally. But I think more importantly, we were able to establish a, um, a fluency um, around what does cancer immunotherapy mean um, and moving forward in th the areas that we need to be focused on. And that to me is something that I think is really exciting is when you're able to, to take something that's relatively nascent and start to actually be at that sort of that dawn of being able to change the conversation and to drive it in a way that's going to um, ultimately be better for all parties involved. Ultimately, at the end of the day, the patient. Okay. Oh, go ahead. You said ultimately at the end of the day, the patient. What? I no. I was saying that ultimately at the end of the day, everything that we're doing is is about the patient. And so when we are doing any campaign effort around, you know, whether it's targeted towards a professional audience or a patient audience or consumer, it's really ultimately to um, better um, patient care at the end of the day. Yeah, that makes sense. Okay. And, that's, and, that's actually, and, that's, and that's the vision of our organization as well. Oh, go ahead. You can say more about that. Yeah, I mean, our, I mean, our vision is ultimately to try to elevate marketing communications so that they're perceived as essential to the outcomes um, as individual products themselves. And by doing that, we think that we're able to create, um, you know, a deeper, more meaningful engagement with our customers so that we're able to achieve that vision um, and actually not let, not allow that to be so lofty, but in fact, actually use that as our guiding post. Gotcha. Okay. So what's different about uh, or different or uniquely challenging about marketing in this space versus others? What have you found? Um, well, I think it it's goes without saying that the healthcare marketing space is, um, there are some inherent, I wouldn't say challenges, but I would say there are opportunities. You're working in a much more heavily regulated environment. Um, and I think that just being familiar and fluent in what the regulatory um, requirements and the parameters that you're able to be in or that you must work in, do, you know, they do create, um, so I wouldn't, again, as I mentioned, not necessarily challenge, but, you know, sort of more um, guardrails, um, so to speak. But obviously, it's we're, what we're doing is trying to sort of push, um, you know, where we think that we can. And the great part is that the, um, the regulatory bodies have actually even been, you know, pushing regulations that are somewhat favorable, um, you know, even looking at uh, medical device classification in terms of, um, the regulatory environment, um, how social media is being leveraged, um, is obviously being much more appreciated and understood from a regulatory environment. So I think that you know what might have been a thought 10 years ago experientially and how we communicate with our customers, we're now able to start to see um, that, for example, be realized. And I always say that sometimes, um, even though technology came out or was um, pushed out, um, at a time and it wasn't successful doesn't mean that it was that it's not a a meaningful or winning technology. It may not be right for the time or within the market that you're actually going after. Well, any examples of uh, some of the regulations that affect healthcare marketing that don't affect other industries? Any? That you what if you could learn about the ketogenic diet and metabolic therapy from the world's top scientists, physicians, and influencers? 
and a four-day experience co-hosted by Dr. Dominic D'Agostino, who's been on the Tim Ferriss podcast in Los Angeles, California, January 31st to February 3rd, 2019. If you want to hear about the latest scientific evidence on nutrition and metabolism and its potential to treat disease, increase longevity, improve athletic performance, and yes, help with weight loss, Metabolic Health Summit is for you. Some of the speakers include Dominic D'Agostino, PhD, Mark Sisson, Suzanne Ryan of Keto Karma, Thomas Seyfried, uh, who studies metabolism and cancer, Aubrey Marcus, Georgia Ede, MD, Matt and Mega of Keto Connect, and many, many more speakers. At this conference, we're going to dive into the research and learn how to apply it during real-world applications with four days of presentations. There'll be nightly receptions with keto-friendly drinks and appetizers. There'll be a scientific poster session that includes the latest research on ketosis, human optimization, and more. And there'll be new innovative products at the Metabolic Health Summit Keto Expo. You'll get to network with some of the world's most brilliant minds at the Metabolic Health Summit VIP Mixer and Gala Dinner. For physicians, this activity is jointly provided by Cedars-Sinai Medical Center and the Metabolic Health Initiative. Cedar sinai is accredited by ACCME to provide continu continuing medical education for physicians. Earn up to 21 and a half AMA PRA Category 1 credits by attending. If you're a registered dietitian, this event has received prior approval by the Academy of Nutrition and Dietetics for 18 CPEs. Visit MetabolicHealthSummit.com or click on the banner and get your tickets before they're gone because it's coming soon. Remember, it's in Los Angeles, California, January 31st to February 3rd, 2019. We are only weeks away. This is a must-not-miss seminar. You can mention so people are they understand what that means. Sure. Well, I think what's um, fascinating is that, as everyone um, should, I'm sure is aware, that the FDA, for example, is one regulatory body. It's a federal agency. Um, and it is uh, very strict with requirements in terms of, for example, drug approvals. And um, they're also very specific around what you can say or what you cannot say when you talk about your um, product, for example. So unlike a product, say, like Band-Aids, um, and not to call, um, call that out necessarily, but that's a, that's a brand that everyone pretty much knows. You can walk into your local pharmacy and see Band-Aids, and you know, people, um, it could be talked about in any which, uh, which way, but the point of the matter is that it's, it's able to, um, it's less restrictive in terms of some of the messaging um, or the communication guidelines that you're able to talk about. Unlike with a brand that is regulated by the FDA, you are mandated to stay within um, sort of the, the guidelines of your approval um, or the data that was used to approve that product and not to try to make extrapolations so that would uh, seen as somewhat as false and misleading. So you want to be obviously ensuring that you are providing accurate information, but of course, as marketers, you do want to try to make it um, engaging and meaningful, and so that does require um, you know, some savviness and somewhat skill to make sure that you're able to elevate the brand in a way that is still beholden and um, aligned to the um, the approval that the regulatory body has set forth. So, for instance, if you had a product that um, know, made skin smoother, but it also seemed to uh, reduce blisters, but you were only approved to talk about the skin smoothening part, 
you could you could say that, but then you couldn't say um, it may help with blisters. You'd have to stick correct. to what you were approved for only. That's correct. And so from the organization perspective, and we're basically working on as a surrogate or an, you know in partnership or an extension of the organization that we work with. Um, exactly. We would only be able to work with them on those communication strategies that would really be around that skin smoothing aspect. However, that being said, you know, as the, as the end user, um, or in this instance, it could be a dermatologist, may notice that it also helps to work for blisters. They're able to uh, they're able to use their license, their medical license, to use products what they call off label. Um, and that's based upon their own experience and um, sometimes evidence, which may be um, and has been in, um, a little bit, uh, in, I don't want to say in conflict with, but sometimes it's a little bit um, ahead of maybe where the, um, the initial ex- uh, experience comes from. Well, how narrow are the approved uses of products that you've seen? You know, like, uh, I don't know, an antibiotic, for instance. Like, what, what would... Yeah. What would be said about an antibiotic, just for instance? So an antibiotic, um, so it could be broad spectrum, for for instance. But the question would be, is that is it for a, what type of organism? So, for example, as opposed to just um, prescribing it for all comers, because we know that that obviously is contrary to um, sort of how we practice medicine today in the fact that you want to ensure that you're being as targeted as possible with antibiotic therapy so that you're able to target the right, um, I guess, pathogen or microorganism. Um, In this instance, you, um, you typically would approve it for, or the organization like the FDA would approve an antibiotic for a specific type of bacterium like a gram positive or gram negative or some of the, some specific type of organization uh, organism I am sorry and so therefore it would not be able to be promoted from a marketing standpoint for those that are beyond the indicated organism even though it may have been shown in the clinical arena to have benefits beyond they in order to obviously expand that label you would need to obviously do randomized cl- controlled trials and clinical trials, and then to obviously um, add that into the label so that ultimately it would be able to be used from a marketing standpoint later downstream. So is there a, like a feedback mechanism? You know, let's say that example I gave you of uh, smoothing skin and helping blisters. And, you know, well, you're I'm, helping a company with smoothing skin and, and they're getting feedback from, you know, all these dermatologists, hey, it's helping with blisters. Would you then tell the company, maybe you should try to get some clinical trials going because if we can get the blister angle included, that would really help your marketing and your brand? Yeah, you know, it's a couple, you know, I have, a, uh, I have the luxury of having to have um, been working at the manufacturer side before um, in my past life, so to speak. Um, another, I actually would say a, a more relevant example, because it's one that actually exists in the world today, is minoxidil. We know of that because it obviously is, we talk about it as a, as a key ingredient of Rogaine, and mm. that's used for hair growth. But what many don't know is that back in the 80s um, or around that time frame, minoxidil was used to treat blood pressure, for instance. And through that blood pressure um, aspect, they found that there was an incidental side effect. It happened to grow hair. 
And so um, through that observation in the community, there was the intent of obviously, I, I don't remember who the manufacturer was that brought that to market, but they looked at the ability of that drug to be studied in other um, aspects of healthcare. In this, in this particular um, situation, it was male pattern baldness, and they saw that it worked for a subset of patients and were able to get approval for that. We see that in other drugs as well. Um, we saw that with, um, with uh, another drug that was used for prostate health that was shown to also grow hair as well. Um, sometimes the dosage is a little bit reduced, um, but, the, but the point is that they're seeing incidental side effects, which could also be used for other benefits or other, um, other areas within the healthcare space. Um, but of course, those were all leading to clinical trials. Those early signs led to the clinical trial programs, which ultimately led to the ability for those products to come to market in different indication uses. The size furling of the hair club for men probably had good blood pressure in addition to hair in his uh, head. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, very funny. <laughs> but well, I mean, I, it's a, um, it's a rel it, I felt it was a relevant example, just you know, as we were talking about skin smoothing, but also helping the blisters. There are a lot of drugs that ultimately have other areas of, of opportunity, and I think that's great. I mean, they're, they're chemical entities that, you know, especially when they're given systemically, it's not uncommon that you would find, you know, all side effects are not necessarily have to be negative. Um, yes, of course, there are adverse events, and that necessarily means that they are potentially negative, but as I, you know, we just showed, there are those that can potentially be a benefit. And then the, the question really is, is that, is that benefit warranted to support a clinical trial program, which, by the way, happens to be, you know, a huge expense, but there is the potential that obviously it would be able to be used um, and promoted that way um, in that environment. So how do you guide your customers and where do they need guidance? Do they, do, do, the, do these brands already know, ooh, we want to expand what uh, our brand can do? And we're gonna, you know, they tell you what they want to do, or is it you guiding them and saying, "Hey, here's what's happening in the market. Here's what we suggest you do, or this, you take this direction." What does it look like that interaction? Yeah, that's a great question. So, you know, we, we uh, as a full service um, marketing communications agency, we work with clients at, at all aspects of the life cycle, and not only from a life cycle in terms of a drugs. Um, sort of um, approval but and where they are, whether they are launching or whether they um, all the way through what I call declination and loss of exclusivity from a patent, uh, patent standpoint. But we also work with them in terms of from a full service perspective. And so many times we're working with clients to actually help to um, define or refine their strategy. So how are they um, going to market? Who are the customers? Where, um, so we're partnering with them, and I would say that's, a, that's really how we work with our clients today is, in fact, it's not about um, that we're, we're partnering with them, and I think that obviously gets to the best outcome at the end of the day. How can we leverage some of their um, ability, you know, what they um, may, may have done already, leverage that, and then obviously go further or even challenge or um, enhance the thinking um, to, to even look at potential opportunities within the market, whether by customer type or even just market um, factors, um, and how to maybe look at that a little bit differently. 
And then that ultimately helps to drive what I call some of the, um, the insights, how we're able to sort of understand those insights in the market, the, um, also from the competitive space, because again, we usually are competing with other products um, or services that other manufacturers may also be bringing to market. Because as you know, even with antibiotics, going back to the example you brought before, there are choices. Um, you know, there are different types of antibiotics um, that target the same bacteria. Why choose one over another? Um, that could be by experience. That could be based upon uh, data. Uh, that could be something, you know, that you're just aware of that brand because of a constant brand message that's been delivered many times. So there's a whole host of factors around that. And so we work with our clients to help define those through what we're able to uncover um, from some of the research and understanding of, our, of that uh, target audience or that customer type. Then that obviously is a lot, um, we're able to put forward um, ideas, whether um, creative ideas dig, um, or technology solutions um, or engagement opportunities or even experiences that will help to ultimately um, drive the objectives that we set out to achieve. And then, of course, what I would say is um, at the end of the day is that in the environment we live today, we're very fortunate that we have data. And so that data collection is able to see how well are our efforts working in terms of helping to overcome that um, either that challenge or did it deliver on the objective that we set out for? Um, if not, why? And then do, how, when do we make that decision or the determination to make that pivot? Hmm. Okay. So uh, any new things coming on the horizon for healthcare marketing? Any big changes or it's really just business as usual going forward? Well, I think that, you know, I, I think if you asked, um, you know, 10 different individuals, you'd probably get um, 10 different perspectives. I actually think that one of the areas that I'm um, that I think about is really about the power of the experience overall, and I think as how do you create a um, a exciting and meaningful sort of brand experience, um, you know, and how does that actually have uh, an ability to bring a customer into the brand um, and engage with it in a way that is meaningful from a content perspective, the storytelling that you're hopefully um, trying to establish. And I think that also, too, how do we look at, you know, what were the aspects of, um, you know, success? I think previously everyone, um, as you may be aware of, was very focused on aspects like return on investment. But what does return on investment mean today in a world where we're obviously looking at more than just um, prescriptions and prescription volume, but more importantly, it could be about brand loyalty, um, and so, how do we leverage um, not only technology to drive that, um, but also create the experience that ultimately is going to that all of this, that's going to be between that customer and that brand, and make that emotional connection? And I think that that there's a whole host of different ways to do that, um, and I think that's a very exciting time right now that we're in, and that's what I'm actually really looking forward to. Okay. Well, very good. So what's what's the best way uh, for people to get in touch and to find out more about your marketing and what you can do? Absolutely. Um, well, they're more than happy to uh, get in touch with us. Um, our website address is evokegiant.com. Um, they can reach out. Um, my email address is currently there, that as well as my phone number. Um, always happy to to speak with anyone. Um, 
partner with anyone. Um, we're always looking to engage with new opportunities and uh, um, new opportunities within the healthcare space. I think that we're at a very um, interesting space right now as well from even looking at the world of outcomes. And I think that the other aspect that we didn't have the opportunity to talk about today is, you know, beyond the regulatory environment, where else is the government um, in terms of looking at the ability to help to focus our efforts um, in terms of ensuring optimal outcomes for patients at the end of the day? And that's also a really exciting space to be able to look at, um, which I think has traditionally not been a focus within a healthcare marketing space, but I think that um, today, more than ever, we are definitely moving towards um, improving outcomes. Okay. Well, very good. Well, Eric, I appreciate you coming on. And uh, now folks know how to know, know how to get in touch. And, uh, yeah, thanks for coming on the podcast. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. And I look forward to uh, talking to anyone that's interested. Thanks so much. You're listening to the Future Tech Podcast with Richard Jacobs. Future technologies such as artificial intelligence, stem cells, 3D printing, gene editing, Bitcoin, blockchain, the microbiome, quantum computing, virtual reality, and exploring space are much closer than you might think. In fact, many early versions of these technologies are in play right now, and the companies that are using these technologies are the focus of this podcast. My goal for you, the listener, is to learn from these podcasts. You may very well learn something that may change the course of your life for the better, steer you towards a new career, or give you insight into addressing a thorny medical problem. Remember, this podcast and its content is informational in nature only. No medical, tax, legal, financial, or psychological advice is being given. If you enjoyed the podcast, please listen, subscribe, like, and tell your friends about it. Thank you. Thank you.